you please stand for the reading of God's word. John chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and what it is and who it is that is saying it to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Three the word, you may be seated. To give you a little recap, we've last week we looked at uh, John the Baptist was was out, out baptizing, and, and so was Jesus and his disciples, and there was some uh, bit of jealousy with John's disciples, and they said, everyone is going to Jesus, and they're being baptized by him. And, and how would John respond? Does he get jealous? He said, I can't believe Jesus is becoming greater and I'm becoming less. No, he is happy. He says his joy is made complete. When our, our brother and sister go down to the Dominican and, and they convert the whole island there, are we going to be jealous? No, we're going to be praising God that we were able to partake in that ministry. And that is how John is there. But during this, you know, Jesus was in Jerusalem. Then he went out into the wilderness. And he's making his way to his home area of Galilee. Now, in between uh, Galilee and Jerusalem, there is this little bit of land known as Samaria. And most Jews would not even go into the land. They would walk around it to get to the other side because they viewed the Samaritans as unequal. They, they, they looked down upon them. Um, the, the hostility, you can look back to the, the, the 50s and 60s in this country and see the way the culture was divided between black and white. And you could start to get a sense um, to, to what, what was going on here and why this woman reacts the way that she does. But understand, Jesus has been on a long journey. While he is fully God, he's also fully man. And he is tired, and he is hungry, and he's thirsty. And that is the, the scene that we walk into this morning. So as we look at this, this woman, she, she comes out, and there, there's a, something that's going on here that we don't notice right away in the text. This woman comes out, um, you know, depending on what version you have, it may say the sixth hour, or uh, it may say noon, um, but the time frame is about noon. And, and why should that stand out to us? Why is that important? Hey, she is a woman who is going to the well by herself. She doesn't have anyone there to protect her. She's going alone. And this is at noon. And the reason I bring this up is, if you and I were living in that day, we didn't have running water, we wanted to go and get enough water we, for us to have for, for everything we need for the day. We would not go at noon. Why? Noon is the hottest part of the day. That is when it would have been hardest to acquire that water. We would go soon as the, the sun is up, soon as it's bright enough to, to make our way. Or we go in the evening when it is getting cool. To go in the midday shows that this woman, she's not just an outcast because she's a Samaritan woman. She is an outcast even in the Samaritan village. She is the outcast of all outcasts. And I want you to remember that as, as we go on and see this encounter that Jesus has with her. You know, we'll, uh, I heard this morning talking about our cultures, how we have an honor and shame culture. That, that, that is very much true. And I want you to see here that in the midst of our shame, that Jesus offers us a gift. This woman was coming to the well for a very practical need. She needed water. And what does Jesus offer her? The type of water that never makes you thirsty ever again. The eternal water. The living water. And of course, 
You know, this, this sounds very, very appealing to her. But Jesus is trying to get out of her this shame that she has. Well, we talk oftentimes, shame is that sin that you have that is still in the darkness. It hasn't been brought to the light. And Jesus is extracting the shame out of her to bring it to a point of what I would call guilt. Guilt is that shame when it's been, the light of Christ has been shed upon on all your sins and you realize there is guilt. You are guilty for committing sins against God. That is a good thing to recognize your guilt. We often talk about the gospel. The gospel is what? It is the good news of great joy. Why is it good news? Because there's horribly bad news. The bad news is that you and I, we are all sinful. We are sinners. And the wages of sin is what? Death. Death. And so you and I, if we don't reconcile to God before we breathe our last breath, there's going to be a person like me that will stand at a funeral and try to give your family hope. What hope could I actually give them if you do not know Jesus Christ? There is no, no hope. I can help you remember that person's life, but I could not give you any hope because that hope has to be in Jesus Christ. And so this, this is what we spot. And I want you to notice throughout the text here her response. So he offers her this gift. He said, if you knew who it was that was asking you, You would ask of him, and he would give you this water. And so her response is, you're a Jew. she being nice there? No. no, she's not. This is not her just pointing out a matter-of-fact statement. Yes, Jesus is a Jew. I am a Samaritan woman, she is saying. Why are you asking? We have no dealings with each other. Understand how, how shocking this was. Recently, uh, the world celebrated International Women's Day. I can tell you right now there's been no greater uh, person for, for women, a liberation of, for, for women's right than Jesus Christ in the history of the world. Jesus in his own day would not have been allowed to talk to a Samaritan woman, period, let alone talk to her alone without her husband present. This was shocking to her. This was shocking to the disciples when they come and see it. But Jesus is showing her that for him it is not about man and woman. It's not about being Jew or Samaritan. It is about the gospel. It is about him offering her eternal life. Amen. He reveals to her a new kind of life, one she has not known, one that he reveals to us that we have not known until we have accepted the gospel, until we, we have reconciled in our hearts that we, yes, are sinners and that we need a Savior. Amen. Continue on reading, starting verse 11. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw the water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir... Give me this water so that I may be thirsty. Not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water ever again. And so we see Jesus is offering this. And all of a sudden her attitude changes a little bit. She no longer is nasty to him and calling him a Jew. She is calling him sir. Her attitude has been adjusted. And she is recognizing that Jesus is more than just, just some, some Jewish man that had come there to give her a hard time. Now of course she is thinking very practically. Jacob's well is a very deep well. 
It's one of the few points in archaeology today, if we were all to take a trip over to that, that land right now, we could find Jacob's well. It's now enshrined in an Orthodox church. But that, that well is there, and we know that is the original place of the well, because <coughs> wells are one of those few things you just can't pick up and move. You could reassemble this building, take this building down, reassemble it, move it somewhere else, and thousands of years from now, people are like, well, we're not sure if it was there or there. We have documents that says over here, but we found its actual location over here. But with, with biblical archaeology, we have no doubt where Jacob's well was, because it was more than 40 feet you know, below the surface. Jacob and his sons dug deep for this well. This was a well that was given to his son Joseph. It was precious. And, and you see that coming out with her. She has pride about this well. She says, I am a descendant of Jacob. Sir, do you claim to be better than Jacob? Yes, he does. He is the one that gave Jacob life. Amen. He is the one that, that Jacob saw in that dream about, about seeing the angels ascending and descending. Jesus is Jacob's ladder. Amen. Understand that clearly. When Jacob has that dream, he sees angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus is that Son of Man. And so we, we have this continuing encounter. And so, as I said earlier, he's bringing her shame to the light. He says, go call your husband and have him come here. Did that sting a little bit? Who here has sin that, they have not, that nobody else in this room knows about? Okay, we have a few that, that have sinned that nobody else knows about. The rest of us are probably lying. <laughs> Let's be honest. But Jesus knows about it. With this woman, with the text records, she has had five husbands. And the man that she now lives with is not her husband. She has not gone through the ceremonial process and declared to the world, this is my husband, and he has not gone and said, this is my wife. They are living in secret shame. What does Jesus do? He takes the shame and brings it to the light so that the guilt will expose her, so that she will recognize that she is living in a state of sin and needs to reconcile that, not with her village, not, not with the people, but with God. And that is, that is why he's bringing this out to her. And so what, is, what does she do? She's like, whoa, I see you. You're a prophet. You know things that you shouldn't know. And you notice that at first it was, you're a Jew. Now it's sir. Now it's, you're a prophet. The respect level is going up and up. And so he reveals something about herself. And I believe Jesus does this to us all. Hey, you're going to have a point in your life where Jesus is offering you eternal life. He's going to show you who you really are. He tells us it's, we, we are like a people who look, look at the water or a mirror in, in our day. And we see our face. We go away and we forget what we look like. Forget how how disheveled our hair is and all the dirt on our face and how we didn't brush our teeth this morning. But Jesus says, I have the answer. I can make you clean. I can make you whole. I can make you new again. I will give you water that will last for all eternity. He is not talking about the physical need of water. He is talking about her spiritual need for the true water, which is Jesus Christ. Now, as we go on, Read starting in verse 20. She says, Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that Jerusalem is the place where our people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming where neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is of the Jews. For the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. 
For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know the Messiah is coming, He who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, Are you ready? I who speak to you am He. Why is that so huge? Who has Jesus told that to before? No one. The first person that finds out Jesus is actually the Messiah is a Samaritan woman. A woman that has five husbands that all the religious leaders wouldn't even talk to. Later when he tells the parable about the good Samaritan, the Jews won't even say the word Samaritan. Understand what Jesus is doing here. He is offering her eternal life. It doesn't matter all her past. He's saying, I can take care of that. Just take this drink, this cup and drink from me. Believe in me. I offer you eternal life. Your, your shame, let it be that guilt that brings you to the Messiah. And what does she do? She has a response that we all should have. She's gone from most of us in our lives will have a point where we don't view God very highly. We view God in a negative term. We view him as the cause of our pain or the person that's trying to hold us back from having fun in our life. And that is how she reacts at first. She calls him a Jew. Those people who are looking down on her. But then she calls him sir. She, she gets on a level of respect. And there's many today who want to call Jesus a prophet. Jesus is a prophet. But he's much more than that. And she goes on. And calls him the Messiah. And this is what I want you to get here. Is this Samaritan woman, who her village wouldn't even come out and draw water with, is going to tell those same people who she was an outcast from, right away, as soon as she finds out who Jesus is, what does she go and do? She goes and tells her entire town, say, meet the man who's told me everything I've ever done. What is she saying? There is this Messiah. He has come. He has told me that I am a sinner and that there is good news called the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we don't preach any other gospel. We don't preach about ourselves. We don't preach about prosperity and health and wealth because that is the devil's gospel. We preach the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is through that gospel you may have eternal life. Amen. It is through that gospel we can share Jesus with people. Amen. And so she goes and tells her entire village right away. And at this moment, her disciples come back, or his disciples come back and say, why were you talking with this woman? What is he doing? But they were too afraid to confront Jesus directly. You know, they, they had those doubts like, this isn't ought to be done. And they say, have some food, because they went into the, that same town to buy food, because they were hungry. Jesus was hungry. And Jesus says to, him, to them, I have food you know nothing about. My food is to do the Father's will. He said, you know, see, the harvest is ready. That woman, she went and she planted the seed that Jesus had planted in her, into her village. And the people came out and they wanted to meet Jesus. Who here in your family wants to meet Jesus? Here we got a few. Who doesn't? Why? Because we are the Samaritan woman. We've heard the good news and we're all excited, but we go and tell absolutely no one. Because we are ashamed of Jesus Christ. That is the honest truth about the American church. We will tell, G we will tell people about the, 
the sale that's going on at the store, the new TV show we watch, which have no eternal consequence at all. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, we're like, I'm afraid to tell people about Jesus. You should be afraid not to tell people about Jesus. It's the one thing as a Christian, every Christian is called to do. We're not all called to be pastors. We're not all called to be missionaries or deacons or Sunday school teachers. We are all called to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, Amen. each and every one of us. Because this is the problem our world faces. So many of us are like the Samaritan woman where we know, we know the name God, we know the name Jesus, but we don't know the Father. The Samaritan woman had no idea who the Father was. I had a friend I used to work with who was a Muslim man. And each year he, he would take time off and he would go uh, back to the Middle East to have a pilgrimage. He would go to Saudi, uh, Saudi Arabia and go where he thought he was supposed to go based off of his religion. Now, there, there are Jewish people to this day who will go at least once in their lifetime to Jerusalem and pray at the Wailing Wall. And I remember he, he asked me in a conversation, he said, where do Baptists go? Where's your pilgrimage? And I say, we go to nowhere. We are to worship the Father in spirit. Amen. Neither in Jerusalem, nor on the mountain in Samaria. Amen. Nor at Mount Rushmore. Amen. It is not about the mountains. It is about the Father. Amen. So I'd ask you, those in your life, those that raise your hands, that have people that want to know about Jesus Christ, do they know the Father? Jesus revealed to them who the Father is. We reveal to them who Jesus is, and he reveals the Father. We are to reveal to others that Jesus is the Messiah. Amen. That they can't save themselves. All the good deeds that we may try to do. And I encourage you to do good things. There's nothing wrong with doing good things. But don't put your hope in eternal life in those good things. Preaching don't save you. Walking old ladies across the street won't save you. Coming to church won't save you. Reading your Bible won't save you. What will save you is faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Because it is his work we are justified by. When he went to the cross, he took the Father's wrath on, on himself. And so when the Father looks at the Samaritan woman, just like he looks at us, he does not see a woman who, who has lived in sin her entire life. He sees a woman who has been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. He sees the righteousness of his son in her. He doesn't look at her and say, look at all that sin. He says, I remember your sin no more as far as it is, is from east to west. That is something only God can do. You and I, we have been wronged by others. Others have sinned against us and we remember it. How long? Forever. As long as God gives us the capability to remember. But God has the unique ability to take those sins and remember them no more. We read that many believe because of her testimony. And that ultimately is our job. We are to introduce the gospel of Jesus Christ to people. Introduce them to Jesus. It says, and then even more believe because they heard the testimony of Christ himself. Amen. How many people, when they see your story or they, they hear the witness that you give, like, wow, I want to know about that Jesus, how he transformed your life. Of course, for that, you have to have a testimony, a witness that people can see. Do they see a change in your life? They don't. Let's talk after service. Because uh, we have a word for that, self-deceived. Many people claim Christ, but there is there no fruit. Jesus tells us that, that you're not really saved. 
That we can judge a tree by its fruits. Just like we can look at a Christian. If we see good fruit, we know the Spirit indwells in them. And if we do not see good fruit, what is that telling us? And maybe they've come here since they were a child. They, they know all the songs. They know all the Christian lingo. But they haven't had that moment where they're transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. One final time, I'd, I'd have you look over her responses and look at yourself today and, and w where are we in our view of Jesus? Is he just a Jew, a man that lived 2,000 years ago that you don't care very much for? Is he the evil God that, that you read about that is, that is judging you? Or is he, is the, or is he the one that that you know, people are following and you want nothing to do with that. There was a, uh, a well-known, well at this time, a well-known heretic named Rob Bell who got all up in arms because his church at the time had an art show. And one of the pa uh, paintings was of Mahatma Gandhi. And somebody put a little sticky note. And on the sticky note, he wrote Newsflash, he's in hell. And Rob Bell was so disturbed by that. He's like, what do you mean that Jesus, or that Gandhi's in hell? And somebody stood up and said, well, he denied Jesus Christ. That person's right. If they denied Jesus Christ, if Gandhi went to his deathbed denying Christ, he said, Gandhi, Gandhi said that <coughs> Jesus I really like. It's the Christians I don't. It's a powerful testimony he gave. He's talking about the fact that Christians aren't living like Christ, and therefore he wants nothing to do with Jesus. I ask you, if you were the only person that somebody ever saw or ever heard from that was witnessing and preaching about Jesus Christ, would, would your witness be something that draws them into belief or makes them farther away? Look at the Samaritan woman. She lived a life of sin, and she gave testimony, and people said, like, wait a minute, we need to listen we know who this woman was. We know how she lived. And now her life has been changed. Or maybe you're at that point where you're calling him sir. You think Jesus was a good teacher, a good moral man. That's nice, but that's not going to save you. A prophet? There are many that view him as a prophet. He is much more than a prophet. Can a prophet save your soul? No. Said so many times here, it takes... Jesus Christ being God to save you. Why? Because <laughs> only God could take the wrath of God and survive. Amen. Anybody else goes to the cross and the Father pours out all the wrath for all our sins for all time on him, they would perish. There would be no resurrection hope for them. But Christ is resurrected on the third day. And that's why later this evening when I, when I <clears throat> preach the gospel in front of those people, I could give them hope because Christ was raised from the dead and so their loved one will be also. Number four, the Messiah. This is where you need to be. Is Jesus your Messiah? Amen. Do you hear the word Jesus? Does it excite you? Does it bring about a, a compassion and a grace and love? Does it bring about anger? Your reaction to the name Jesus will tell you a lot about, about your own soul and, and where you're headed. Number five, I think, is where we need to be. And this is where my challenge will come in. Number five is we need to go and tell our community. Are you willing to do that? Amen. Got a few amens. It's not easy, I know. You've got to get out of your comfort zone. You've got to be willing to tell people about Jesus. But before we do that, I want to play our, our, our final song here in just a moment.
Before you can tell people about Jesus, you need to know who Jesus is. So I want to take this time now. If there's anyone here who does not know Jesus, you want to come down and, and have that encounter as the Samaritan woman did with him, now is the time. Come down. I will pray with you. I will stay after and answer any questions you have. We have others here who are more than qualified to do the same. But you must know Jesus, who he is, before you can share him with others. You don't have to have a deep knowledge. The Samaritan woman didn't have a deep knowledge. All she knew was that he was the Messiah and that he knew who the Father was, and he revealed that to her. She knew that no matter how she lived her life up to that point, it didn't matter because she had Jesus. Let us pray. Our Father, reveal yourself to us, Lord God. If there's anyone here who does not know you as Abba, Father, does not know you as Father God, allow their hearts to be melted by your grace and your love about the, the love that sent your only son to die for us. Allow us to have that encounter with Jesus now. We need you, Lord. In your holy name. Amen. Amen. Amen.